Welcome to this week's Green Side Up. This is Richard Henschel, horticulture educator for the University of Illinois Extension Service. And this week I wanted to talk about uh, some, I'll call them, you know, good and bad trending insects. We've got pollinators and then we got some of the bad guys. Um, and a, just kind of a, an imaginary visual show of hands here. How many did something to mark National Pollinator Week? Well, back in 2007, uh, the Senate actually approved and designated a week in June to draw attention to the decline in all kinds of pollinators, just not those pretty ones. And we always think of monarch butterflies. Uh, we know about honeybees necessary for pollination, but there's a great many other pollinators out there. Uh, I doubt most of us consider something like a bat or beetles as pollinators, but they do a great job too. And so many of these pollinators in our world, around the world, are beginning to decline in numbers, uh, some uh, remarkably so, and at an alarming rate. So, you know, here we are in 2020, and we're hearing the very same concerns with that increasing degree of alarm that we heard back in 2007. So nothing's changed. It's actually very little's gotten better. It's probably gotten worse. So it's just one of those areas that we should maybe think about a little more consciously as we go to plan and plant and deal with the home landscape. Talk to Ken Johnson, and he is out of the Jacksonville area, and uh, he pointed out some really good things. First off, you know, without pollinators, you know, we may not have, have any of our fruits and vegetables to eat. When you think of a fruit like an apple, uh, that's pollinated by bees, and without pollinators, uh, no apple crop, whether the tree is full of flowers and beautifully to, beautiful to look at. If you, we've got no insect pollinators, you're not going to have any apple crop. So that's a big obvious one, of course. There'd be, as he also said, you know, there'd be no apple cider and, uh, and, and a lot of other things. Um, some of the other crops that are heavily influenced by pollinators would be all the vine crops like watermelon and cucumber and squash and, and pumpkins, what would Halloween be without our favorite orange jack-o'-lantern out on the front porch? Um, there's lots of other fruits and vegetables and, and, uh, and flowering plants that need to be pollinated uh, as well. Um, as an example of how bad it can get, I know there is a region in China where virtually there are no pollinators. And while they grow pear trees there, they have to go out and hand pollinate every flower on every pear tree to get a crop. Think about that. We don't have the labor uh, or the, probably the interest in doing that. So as a thought process here, you know, as you expand a flower bed, think diversity, uh, more varieties and more depth. We know that, say, bee balm is quite attractive to, to butterflies and all, but there are other flowering crops that have a long-throated flower to them that would also be a food source. So we really need to think about a depth and a diversity in our flowers in a longer flowering period. Bee balm, for example, flowers for three weeks, but what are they going to feed on and pollinate prior to that and after that if you want to keep them in your yard? So it's something to we really need to work on in terms of, uh, in terms of getting that to happen in our yard. Uh, building, a, building a flower bed is just not a one-time thing. It's a expansion and a trial and error and um, choices in what we buy over a number of seasons to get that uh, long bloom show throughout the summer for us. That we, we'd enjoy it anyway, but it works great for those insects that are pollinators that need something to eat.
One other thing that Ken Johnson mentioned that kind of goes towards helping maintain our pollinator-friendly landscape is pretty much one that goes against what we have been culturally ingrained in for decades, and that is, believe it or not, you know, you know, weeds are okay. It's okay to have an occasional weed in the flower beds or in the lawn. Those weeds actually can provide a source of energy when nothing else is available for pollinators. The biggest example that comes to mind for that would be uh, the dandelion. Uh, the dandelion in the spring with its bright yellow flower is one of the first food sources for a lot of our insects. So dandelions aren't necessarily bad. So if you can tolerate a, a level of dandelion, say, in your lawn or allowing them to grow in a shrub border or a flower bed for a period of time every year, that provides an energy source for all those kinds of insects, all those good beneficial insects that, w- that we need going around. So that isn't, that isn't such a bad thing. If you're in a situation where dandelions are inappropriate, think about the fact maybe you keep them out of your front yard where the public sees, but you allow a few of them or a lot of them to remain in your backyard. If you're going to treat for a dandelion, the, the greatest advice here is do it in the fall. Allow them to bloom in the spring. Uh, and provide that energy to our insects and our pollinators, um, and then take care of that weed later on in the late summer or fall. Uh, The fact that they will not be present in your yard in the springtime, you're doing no harm to the insects. They will just be searching, foraging for food elsewhere, as they naturally would do. So those are some uh, bits and pieces about the good kind of bugs uh, that are that are trending here. We need those pollinators. We need uh, we we all like to eat. So keeping the pollinator population up is pretty good. One of the one of the bad bugs, if you will, right now that seems to be out and about, and this is just not from Ken, but from myself as well. The calls are coming into the offices about bagworms. Um, now that's the only bug that I know of that kind of carries its home around with it as it as it goes as a as a young young stage bug. Uh, the larval stage moves around the plant, eating and enlarging the bag while adding decoration of the plant parts to the outside. So that bag that he carries around is going to look different if he's feeding on an evergreen and eating the needles versus feeding on a deciduous tree and eating the leaves. So they look quite different. Uh, they can be quite destructive. If the numbers add up year after year after year, they can totally defoliate an evergreen and kill it. And perhaps you've seen that in the neighborhood or unfortunately experienced that in your own yard. So bagworms are best controlled when they're when the larvae are still carrying around the bag and they're as young as possible. Once they're in the bag, uh, it's pretty much in, in, in set up for the wintertime. They're pretty much impossible to do anything with. Uh, the remedy there would be uh, plucking them off the tree or evergreen and disposing of them. So be on the lookout for some bagworms yet this summer. Well, this has been Richard Henschel with this week's Green Side Up. Always a pleasure, and I'll be back again soon.